Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. I think the wine industry as a whole, it started out, I mean, our grandmother was the first woman tour guide for... Franciscan and then went on to Beringer and Silver Oak so we definitely have roots on all sides of it and seeing I mean I can still remember being at Silver Oak as a little girl when she was working and it's just you see that and we got raised with other wineries that are larger now but started out the same way. Great truck delivering grapes. Yes it's It's truly a family business and Silver Oak again is such a powerful example of how well they treated their Mm -hmm. guests, their customers, their employees. I mean they're literally the frame of reference for how to do those yeah. things yeah grandma still talks about it yeah how great it was to work there so the conversations around dinner table had to be yes. fascinating yeah. yeah it was much interesting so what if, what was the best part about growing up the way that you described like the open space there's yeah. free will responsibility when you wanted it and you wanted whether you wanted it or not, not. Um, the learning potential the um, just the freedom of being out here. You're in yeah. the middle of nowhere, essentially, but still close enough to everything, you know. And um, see the where, like where we're at now, too. Being able to know and see the different aspects and mm-hmm. grow up understanding, you know, that it was more than just you know grapes or just vineyard. That's what that was important. We were as much a part of the team. I feel as my dad was he made us very inclusive in the business and you know this is just as much your it's a family thing not just mm-hmm. i'm an adult going to it's not just a job it's a way of life wow and i feel like those are things you carry with you throughout your life and that you can instill you know with your team with your children and as a whole and continue to grow and it shows in the product i feel i, sh- I feel that the wine represents that when you taste it and even with our club members, we feel our club members are just such a part of our family. I, we have club members who've been with us for going on 15, 16 years yeah. now. And they've watched us grow grow up within the industry and really change the winery to what we envision and the quality and continuity of it. And, and it's fun. When we have events, it's great. It's like having a giant family who's there rooting for you and dinners we get pictures sent to us of people you know at their weddings at their birthdays enjoying our wine so it's a lot of fun i think it's such a powerful concept that you just touched upon a way of life mm-hmm. not many people can say that especially in an urban environment it's very <laughs> true it's very segmented you have yeah. your yeah. work you have your commute yeah. you have family time and mm-hmm. you can ache it out but really it's not a cohesive experience it's not a way mm-hmm. so it's so rare and so precious isn't it it is and we're very lucky to be able to have that experience and be able to continue that experience and um, and that freedom that you describe yeah well i see it in my kids now yeah. they're able just to even come into the winery every once in a while when they do they just cruise around and they're on the bocce ball court kind of bugging staff but the staff <laughs> enjoy it i think because they're, they're think. nice and they're fun they're cute enough to get away with it and then just even at the vineyard, you know, we'll take quads out and they're able to cruise around the vineyard and the lakes and enjoy it. That sounds so idyllic. Yeah, I mean, the last um, power shut off, my kid, we ended up, we were picking 
that day. So my kids end up being leaf pickers in the vineyard with a cruise, wow. and I think it gives them a much better appreciation. And you know, and it also it gives them a chance to see if this is something they love to do. Yeah, if they yeah. don't want to, they don't want to, but yeah, it gives them a glimpse. I feel like life does slow down a little bit out in Poe Valley. It does. Mm-hmm. Here. Yeah, no, except for harvest. So welcome. <laughs> harvest <laughs> is the hustle and bustle, but yeah. the rest of the time it kind of just slows down a little bit. And, yeah, and there's so much interconnections here. Mm-hmm. People are connected in a whole other way. Mm-hmm. A really great sense of community. Among yeah. Other things. I mean, it's you know we talk about community in somewhat artificial, remote way, just as a society, but here it's palpable. Mm-hmm. You really are so invested in each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the wine industry as a whole. The mm-hmm. wine industry in general, whether it's Pope Valley or on the Silverado Trail, I feel like wineries are a very strong community. People look out for each other. Wineries yeah. look out for each other. The Napa Valley Vintners as a whole looks out for you know all mm-hmm. of us and together. And I think that's something that you, that isn't necessarily so in a lot of other industries. Because, yes, we're all competing products Mm -hmm. but at the same time we all are together in it and we all really look out for one another whether that be someone needs a helping hand with one of the you know the various disasters over the last few years Mm -hmm. or whether it's just group meetings to bounce ideas off of and figure out where we need to go as an industry so i think that is something really enjoyable about the wine industry as a whole it's particularly evident during the trying and challenging times of course um there's a lot of stories in the media about you know what happened, the events and such like that that they're reporting on. What doesn't come out enough, for my taste, is that silver lining, mm-hmm. and that's how people really support each other and stick together. Mm-hmm. And those things that you just described, I mean, it really is a litmus test mm-hmm. when you're really um, in the middle of something that's extremely challenging and pushing you to the limit. How do you show up as a human being, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's been a lot of unfortunate things that happen in the valley in the last, mm-hmm. you know, several years, and the reality is that it's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. So the choice is, you know, wringing your hands and being kind of vulnerable and feeling bad about it, yeah. or really kind of trying to figure out how to exist in this new mm-hmm. version of reality and coexist and be successful and be happy, not just survive. Yeah, thrive, you have to. Right? Mm-hmm. It's important. To enjoy what you do. Yeah, so it sounds like you have it figured out already in a lot of ways. You try to. We try. <laughs> I'm always, I always give a helping hand when I can't, you know, whether it's because we have the resources to, yeah. not necessarily monetarily, but for like, you know, crews or trucking or yeah. anybody needs something, I'm always willing to help out. Wow. Here locally, even in Napa, people call us all the time for help, and I don't mind helping That's out. That's so awesome. That's the side of Napa that I really just can't get enough of. Yeah, Napa in a whole is that way, which is which is unique. Yeah, you know, in the whole area, to you know. I mean, you hear things about how you know expensive it is and saturated at times, and this and that, and mm-hmm. maybe even hoity-toity. Yeah, but. The real story is far more complex than that. And there's folks like you that are also technically in Napa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a very different point of view. <laughs> oh, yeah. You are as real as it gets. Yep. There's not even a whiff of ego. <laughs> no. You make beautiful no. wines as I'm tasting. Yeah. And you just, you know, you're so Everything's generous. a team effort, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Now that's, again, it's something that I think people need to think about when it comes to traveling and choosing mm-hmm. where you spend your time and money. It's mm-hmm. like, what do you align with? 
<laughs> yeah. And do you want to come and you know stand around in a tasting room and be one of many that you know perhaps don't get enough attention, enough value mm -hmm. for their presence? But here, you can really be embraced, yeah. mm -hmm. and and really feel like you got something so special. You got those memories that you'll cherish for a mm -hmm. lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a pretty important piece. Oh yeah, the decision sure. making. <laughs> yes. When when it comes to you know how time really even before money, how do you feel about yourself? How do you experience yourself in the environment? Yeah. And I know that once you're here, you just start breathing. <laughs> you know, number one, it's like wow, like. Well, I'm always the person I start sense. looking at things like okay, well we can do this, let's do this. You can't do everything at once. So you have, sometimes you have to tackle one thing at a time. Yeah. And take it with a stride, right? You got to go and okay, well, there's the big fire or whatever. Well, we got to do this, and then we got to yeah. do that, and you take the next steps until you are happy with the, <laughs> the best possible end results, you yeah. know. And and that really applies broadly to any mm -hmm. adversity. Yes. I mean, we're in a precarious situation right now. There's a lot of unknowns, but the same basic principles still mm -hmm. apply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Th that measured approach, that communal approach, that like, mm -hmm. what is the best solution? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's uni universal. Yeah. yeah. So, kudos to you. Uh, thank you. Well, it brings us to the San Giovese. Yes, I am mm -hmm. staring at the. San might Giovese warm us up. We, little, <laughs> yes. The red wine might be good. <laughs> yes. No, I'm. I'm very excited to try it and and hear about it. This is our 2016 San Giovese. Um, we farm this at our Echo Ranch. Mm -hmm. We can tell you a little more about the farming. We already touched on this a little bit about how we designate the two fields separate. The San Giovese, um, essentially split in half. This half is the uh, red. We farm it for you know the red wine, mm -hmm. a little lower yielding opposed to the rosé, which is a higher yielding. Um, we chose this part of the vineyard because it is a little bit smaller clusters for the San Giovese compared to the rosé side. So I think it adds a little intensity to the flavors and makes a nice um, Sangiovese red wine, which Greg can touch on in the, a little more about the wine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Sangiovese is a fun grape to work with because it is a little bit lighter and you, know, you just get such such great complexity. The the bright Bing cherry, the city makes a really great food wine. It's very versatile, mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more. Um, I mean, it's it's a thinner skin grape, so it's it's very different to make than a Cabernet, mm. and you definitely go a little bit more more gentle on it, and just try to preserve the natural beauty of the grapes, and it's it's a lot of fun. Again, that bright acidity, it's a lovely Sangiovese, and let's face it, there's not a lot of good Sangiovese in this country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there no. just isn't. And I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg, it's not because it's not planted enough and experimented with, or whatever the reason, but, you know, it's not what leaps to mind when it comes to the varietal, as far as, yeah, I'm going to get some from Napa Valley, for yeah, example, but... Yeah, definitely. Um, Every wine is definitely what you put into it, as we've seen mm -hmm. throughout the market. So their fads and what wines are up and what varietals are down. And some wineries do chase, I mean, you can get lost in chasing the next, you know, big thing, the next big wine, the mm -hmm. next. Mm -hmm. And I think what ours is, is focusing on just really doing well and farming for what we have and making great wines out of what grows well here. And I think that is showcased in the Sangiovese. 
Again, it's that classic timeless approach. Mm -hmm. Do what's right and other things will fall into place. <laughs> as opposed to chasing trends and I can tell and your wines again there every single one of them showcase such balance and the acidity that I always look for. Because mm -hmm. that's the backbone, that's the skeleton and mm -hmm. you hang everything else on it or you know, if you don't have a, that foundation then it just falls flat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, Everything I tasted so far is uh, really very well made. So that's well, a testimony you. to you and John. Well, wine is food and it should be versatile and it should have the acidity that makes it pair well with cuisine. Absolutely. No, and I mean, you, you're describing this fabulous events that you have that <laughs> almost always involve food. Yes. So you want to get consumed with food on site. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. So they have to measure up, right? Yes. Yep. Very cool. So what's this lovely bread that we have next? This is our 2017 Napa Valley Cabernet. We do a different, or we do a couple different Cabernets, but this is our 2017, and it is actually farmed at our Echo Ranch as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, it smells amazing. So yeah, we have about uh, three different blocks at our Echo Ranch of Cabernet, ranging in clones. Um, and so we'll take, um, you know, we have about almost uh, 60 acres planted, so we don't use everything ourselves, mm -hmm. but we're definitely able to go into our vineyards and we pick the, the best spots that we, that, that we want, yeah. <laughs> that we, the spots we want in areas. Mm -hmm. So Greg and I have our, um, you know, rows designated for Pro Valley Winery. Mm -hmm. And so we take um, some rows from each block that we have and we'll hand pick it um, at its at our what we think is optimal ripeness, um, probably ranging between twenty five and twenty six and a half bricks is my guess. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and we bring those lots in here, and then from there, um, Greg doesn't just make that one lot from that one lot picked. Yeah. We have different segments within that each lot. Yeah, a lot of the picks will split into different tanks and we'll do different yeasts, different uh, temperature regimens, mm -hmm. and get different expressions out of that grape. So, you know, like I said before, when we sit down to blend, we mm -hmm. have a lot of different components to put together yeah. and build a complex wine. And this is a really nice Cabernet here. This is has actually yet to be released and um, you're one of the first people to taste it. Oh my God, and I'm, so I'm, I'm really thinking that it's ready to go. I mean, it's just expressing really beautiful aromatics, lots of dark fruit, but it has that uh, you know tobacco leaf and just a hint of leather on the back. It carries really well through with a very supple palate. Very much so. The mid palate is fabulous and um, the aromatics as you described in the finish is so long. Mm -hmm. I've had it a little bit ago and I'm still tasting it. And for me when I make wine I really look at the texture more than anything else. You know, the, the mm -hmm. aromatics show up. They're there. Mm -hmm. But really the most fine opulent wine that you can build with the most finesse all comes down to texture. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And Obviously, um, that ties into that ripeness that mm -hmm. you were um, mentioning earlier. And for those of you that don't know, bricks um, is a it measures sugar in a grape, but the real um, 
important piece is physiological ripeness is not really how many, yeah. but what it tastes like. Yes. And mm -hmm. Is it completely ready to go as you described? Mm -hmm. And that's what speaks to the mouthfeel and the texture that you're mm -hmm. such a fan of and obviously you know, work very hard to make sure that it's preserved and showcased. Mm -hmm. So when we're out in the vineyard, those are the things we're looking at. We're really looking at the skins more than anything else. And we do track the sugar, but it plays a very small role in our decision making. Mm. We're looking for soft skins when we bite into the grape, when we chew it, mm -hmm. what, um, what texture does that have? And then we can extrapolate that into what type of wine it's going to make. In, okay. in some cases, we'll even do two passes through the same vineyard yeah. wow. um, picking. That. Talk about labor intensity. And so yeah. we'll go through one and give the guys a uh, parameter of what we're looking for. Yeah. And generally, it's on one side or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it may even only be like five, six days difference. Mm -hmm. But in the whole scheme of things, it really makes a better product in the end because we're able to separate in the field the different qualities of the fruit. Wow. Um, and we did that, and it actually worked very well mm -hmm. last year um, in doing that. And so again, that goes back to being for kind of almost pretty much vertically integrated. And so we're able to do that, yeah, and not be scared of it. We're able to make wine in the vineyard, starting in the vineyard and farming all the way up to it yeah. to the cellar. Versus where some some people don't have that option. They are here's the fruit you're given. You have some choices to make along the way, and then you have to make the wine with the fruit that Although you I handed. Was, I was hesitant so. to begin with. And then once we did it, I was like, okay, now I see why. Yep. <laughs> you know, and so. You're describing such attention to detail. Yeah. And, and, and that's yeah. all of us coming together as well. And yeah. Getting recommendations from Jean and Greg and myself Absolutely. and coming together and again, making a decision. And you know, one thing I want to say right away, this is a 2017 and it's so delicious. Yeah. So whatever you guys do, do not stay away wholesale from 2017 just because you read somewhere. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry, I would say 95% of our stuff was picked before the fire regardless. But yeah. yeah, a lot of people are, I would say most things in Napa were picked before the fires. You yeah. have a couple areas that were definitely touched by the fire. <laughs> but, but I think it, in a whole, that's a lot of hype when there's such amazing wines for 2017. And for our 2017s, yeah. none of those made it into the final blends. I just tasted a bunch during the premiere week, and to me, 16s were pretty shut down overall. I think they will be phenomenal wines down mm -hmm. the road. But 17s were just giving with both hands. With mm -hmm. such young wines, I was in shock. Mm -hmm. So I think that any consumer that just shuns that vintage because of some theoretical stuff that was written down mm -hmm. by somebody is mm -hmm. doing themselves um, a huge disservice. They're so mm -hmm. delicious. And this is just one example of something that I want to keep going back to again and again. And another thing I don't want to overlook, your whole portfolio of wines is priced very well, very competitively, like mm -hmm. very gently on the wallet, but particularly the Cabernet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To find a Cabernet in Napa Valley at this price point is probably impossible at this point. There's wines out there definitely at that price point, generally from the bigger wineries. Yeah. Probably because they own their own vineyards, kind of yeah. like similar to us. And so our goal for our Napa Valley Cabernet is to grow the program a little bit, but we do offer our reserve program and we do have our yeah. Echo brand that we're brand. pushing out. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little, you know, to a little higher price point, but smaller production even yet, again. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's important to be competitive with 
owning our own vineyards yeah. and whatnot. It's it's very important in longevity of owning Absolutely. a business. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely value, and by value I mean the quality price quality, ratio. Exactly. That's the quality is there all the way as you heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And to Alona's point, um, even there are some wines you see in Napa that uh, are at this price point, but they're not made this way. No, they no. don't have yeah. that. Right. Sneaking suspicion the care yeah. and, and the, the love really put into them in this, this yeah. small lot. Um, production. Yeah, absolutely. To, to be that detail oriented to the minuscule pieces of it to make so many decisions in the vineyard incrementally mm-hmm. calling those small lots I mean that's hard economically to mm-hmm. correlate to the price point that you offer it at being yes. vertically integrated does help yeah um, and I think our focus too is on really giving these products to our direct to consumer we don't do a lot of wholesale a lot of FOB driven wines these mm-hmm. are all direct to consumer primarily um, just because of our size of and it's just I would much I, I like having that direct connect with our customers I like mm-hmm. seeing how it's part of their daily life and having them inviting them into ours and sharing it and that's how it's you know, I like being at their dinner table essentially and I think that's one thing being competitive with the price points allows us to do mm-hmm. and I think it's also a testament to um you know, being vertically integrated and saying, I always want our wines to show, I want them to take the, and be like, this, it's a great value. This is amazing. I will buy five more bottles of this mm-hmm. versus being disappointed. I would never want someone to pick up a glass of our wine and be disappointed. And mm. not that I think they ever would, but yeah, you know, that's well, definitely. Like you said, it's family. You don't want to disappoint family. <laughs> exactly. Bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> so what other wines do you make? I know you make oh. some club only wines, mm-hmm. but just kind of give me a smattering of what, so we do a lot um the sauvignon blanc and the rosé are our whites and then we go everywhere from the sangiovese to cabs with merlot Merlot. we have an Mm -hmm. amazing merlot we have not released our 17 yet and our 16 is sold out so the reds will most likely be released at our june event so look forward to that and it'll be you know a lot of fun we have some fun blends. Our 2014 Fault Line was just released, which is an amazing Bordeaux-style blend. That's right. You have Malbec and Bordeaux on property, mm-hmm. so of course you do a Bordeaux blend. <laughs> um, we do a lot. We did a single. We did a Malbec. We've done a Petit, Petit Bordeaux, Bordeaux, which has done really well. We actually sold out of it mm-hmm. fairly quickly. Zinfandel. And a Zinfandel, which is club, pretty much is allocated to clubs. So there are wines that if you that aren't available to the general public that you have to be a club member to get just because of the sheer volume of what we make and yeah. we only make about 35 cases of our zang currently for the oh 2018 there will be a petite syrah and a petite syrah for 2018 so and that's why we planted more zinfandel we were doing our soil pits last week mm-hmm. on everything and it looks very promising. That's so, so cool. Yeah, um, beautiful soil. And then we also do a port, which is not, it's kind of on the realm of unusual, but we do an amazing port. We have our 2002 Zinfandel port, North Coast, going into bottle later this month. And it's been barrel aged for 18 years now. So um, we only bottle it in small increments. We bottle it in 100 case lots. And it's something definitely fun, great with chocolate. And it allows us to make a really well-rounded program. And, yeah, and something tells me again that has some acidity and some. Mm-hmm. It's a serious affair. It's not just something sweet. Yeah, it has depth and complexity and a lot of different dimensions to it. 
I like it by itself. It's just such an interesting wine. Well, I might have to make it back here. More than once. <laughs> <laughs> very well. Sounds like See, we got you hooked you. already. Yep. Sounds like a great portfolio. Thank you. Um, and very, you know, complete, like you said. Mm-hmm. Anything from Sonia Blanc to a dessert. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw a poster of Al Capone, <laughs> which fascinates me to no end. I got to hear that story. So the story has it that Sam Haas served with um, somebody, not with Al Capone himself, but one of his family members or someone involved with him. And during Prohibition, they decided that it would be a good idea to bootleg with Al Capone um, until it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and they decided that that was probably not the best like life longevity idea. And so they parted ways. Um, the winery itself has a fun, just a fun history. They're you know from the original founding family immigrating over here to start it and as mm-hmm. you can see all the buildings built over the top of the creeks it's just such a unique a unique architecture and historical site that you don't get to see but no. lots of fun stories if walls could talk we would <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah. a swiss influence swiss, right? yes yeah swiss German. they were Ger- germans from switzerland yes and your winemaker happens to my maker of and John happened to be. I know, isn't that bad? I thought about that the other day. I was kind of like, wow, it made a full circle 120 yes, years later. Totally organically, just somehow yeah. comes together, doesn't it? Yeah. So you're planting a new vineyard, and that's mm-hmm. exciting. Any other plans? What's the future kind of looking like for you? The future is. We're planning on expanding production. I mean, again, we, we will still ultimately always be a boutique small production winery, but expanding mm-hmm. production a little bit bigger than what we are now. And really just focusing on our club members and our direct to consumer, having those fun events. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, we always have a reason to come out here other than great wine. Um, and creating diverse wines so that when they open their club shipment they're excited and it's another it's not the same cookie cutter wines but something they can really have one for now store for later and have an experience and just increasing that making great wine and continuing to build up our sites and really not necessarily restore but being able to showcase this property and this Mm -hmm. lifestyle invite everybody to share in what we already get to enjoy Um, during the summer months we have bocce ball we have yard Mm -hmm. games we do family we have adult only and family friendly events Um, we're always dog friendly so it's really an all-inclusive place where you can just enjoy the quality that Napa Valley has to offer and these amazing wines while still maintaining that connection to how wines are grown and the land and I guess the winery as a whole. Such a beautiful sentiment. I mean, I can't get enough of it. That's why I'm constantly in the valley and this is just the largesse of it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, From a viticultural perspective, um, Pope Valley, it's a very unique yeah, it's kind of a hillside valley, I'd say. Our properties range from about 600 to 800 feet elevation. Yeah. So we're a little bit higher than Napa. We have a little bit more of a diverse climate. Mm-hmm. So essentially it'll be 10 degrees cooler or mm-hmm. 10 degrees warmer than Napa, which is challenging, but I think it does make the terroir. And even the north end of Pope Valley and the south end of Pope Valley are definitely a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Where... Um, 
I mean, literally just doing soil pits last week. One site all the way about five miles south, and then up here at the winery, and the soil profile is completely different. Um, and so choosing varietals that grow better in each soil is very key, I think. And so very cool. That's what I like. And mm-hmm. from the winemaking perspective, what are you the most excited about? I'm excited about all the unique things that Po Valley has to offer. I mean, we had a really outstanding 2019 harvest. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're <clears throat> extreme, excuse me, extremely excited with how the wines turned out, and we want to continue that. The fruit in Po Valley has so much to offer that really one of the keys for us was being restrained, mm-hmm. and every lot was pressed off before fermentation was complete. And the result of that was that we got all of the the really um, delicate textures that come out up front. Mm-hmm. And we avoided any roughness that would come out on the, the tail end of the fermentation. Hmm. Well, it sounds very exciting, something to look forward to. and. You guys have heard this. This is so unassuming, so heartfelt. History, literally, at every turn. This is a living, historical um, space that is also so welcoming and warm. Yeah, it is, yeah. It has a kind of sense of just... Family? We just want to be here. That's right. So come You hang outside on a nice day. You just want to just stay there and enjoy the day. club members who came the other day to... um, They came by just to see how the release party was going because um, they were bringing a large group the next day and they end up staying all day the day before. The day, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I could see how so. it would be difficult to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I'll be going anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the best lunch destination, the best uh, picnic destination in Napa Valley, wow. hands down. That is, in and out of itself, a huge incentive to come. Yes. So there you are. You can thank us later. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.